Josh. We turned out okay. The Modern Parent's Guide to Old School Parenting. I want to hang upside down from the swing set. Welcome to We Turned Out Okay with host Karen Locke Cole. I want to climb to the top of that tree. And now, here's your host, Karen Locke Cole. In episode 42, I spoke with a woman who shapes my thinking for the better on how to rub along together with all these other humans on the planet. As the etiquette columnist for Boston Globe magazine, today's guest dishes advice on the tiniest and often most important questions we have. How do you handle it if you're a vegetarian and halfway through your portion of butternut bisque at a dinner party, you discover that it was made with chicken stock? What happens if you're at the playground and another parent scolds your child for something for doing something perfectly within her rights, in your opinion? What if your child, showing his complete lack of filter, berates a stranger for smoking in public? Today, my guest and I talk about the tension that can crop up between friends where one is a mom and the other isn't. The subject of her upcoming article in Boston Globe magazine in this weekend's Mother's Day issue. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome returning champion Robin Abrams, <laughs> a.k.a. Misconduct. Welcome, Robin. Hi there. Good to talk to you. I'm so glad to have you back on the show. Thanks. You too. It's good to be back. It's uh, it's been it's only been like six months, and it feels like it's been much longer. It's been an active six months. Actually, yeah, I say it's been. I feel like it's been since longer, but I really don't. I feel like it's been. I, I misspoke. <laughs> to me, it feels <laughs> like it's been. It hasn't been a very long. Like it feels like we were just speaking yesterday. So. So how about that? What kind of tensions are there between moms and non-moms who are friends? Uh, you know, my article wasn't about tensions at all. It was about it was about how nice it is. It's true. It's true. Be friend. You know, it was written from a fairly personal perspective, and it was about the fact that you know it's really you can't only have friends who are in your personal position in life. That you know, it's really wonderful for women who don't have children to have. Friends to have friends who are mothers and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you I know, did... especially I think probably for women who are mothers to have women who aren't because you know you've got somebody who's not ever going to play those competition games with you or pretend that you know I can solve problems that you can't because you know there's just that's not going on. Yeah, you know it's so funny. I really, you're right. As I think about reading it, it really was about all the wonderful kind of oh, bonds yeah. that moms and non-moms can have, and and, and yet you I took it as this article about tensions. No, on I know. Day. Good grief! <laughs> it's true. As soon as I, as soon as you pointed that out, I realized like that was totally misspoken. Like that was not how it was at all. But I think in my mind, reading it from the perspective of a mom, I think what you do really well in it is you bring up these potential, you know, potential bones of contention. And you and you're basically saying like, this is not a problem for me. And I hope it's not a problem for you. And uh, I mean, you've got some great lines in there. That's not bones of contention, but just things like if you don't, you know, if you don't spend a lot of time with a friend's children to where you get to know them as individuals, you're always going to get them confused. Yeah, yeah. And like, you, wait a minute, which one is good in math and which one is good in sports? And yeah. then, you know, you haven't seen them for two years. And of course, they've grown. And then it's like you you get confused on which, one, remember is which one is which. Yeah, and I love and that, You know, it's like, that's just the thing. You said something about how uh, you hope that you can be forgiven for that. 
and that maybe the moms would remember the times when they can't remember their own children's names, which totally happens oh, right, to me right. all the I time. I always get very happy when my mother friends are like, Jaden, Britton, no way, whatever your name is. <laughs> exactly. My, it got to the point in my house growing up where my mom could call any one of our names and we would all be like, yes. Oh, <laughs> like, what do you want? Because, <laughs> you know, everybody just gets mixed up. You don't up, even so. need kids. I mean, when my husband and I have a dog, we'll call each other by the dog's name. Yeah. I mean, it's just... yeah. Yeah. And there's and there's a part in there about dogs and how some people like you say, I promise I will never equate my dog's life, you know, or experiences with your children's, which a lot of I think that is a thing for a lot of parents. How like, you know, how could your dog possibly be as important as my child? Which it's not. But there's a lot of things about the experience that might be similar. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I remember for one thing, just the sheer fact that you can't leave the house without bringing tons of gear with you. (laughs) You know, it's like I didn't used to have to think about snacks and bags and all of this when I left the house. And now I do. Yeah. So even though if you can't equate dogs and dogs and children, you can sometimes equate elements of the experience. Yeah. Yeah. And like that when you have puppies and you're a puppy or whatever, and you're you're up all night with them or. Um, or just yeah. the fact that everybody wants, you know, when you've got something that's cute and, and pettable, everyone wants to come and pet it. Yes. And or there's... Or canine or what, and yeah. it might not want to be petted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and You um, might have your own agenda around that, too, and it can be very awkward. Yeah, exactly. It makes me think of when I was in the grocery store with my youngest, especially my youngest, um, who just would look so engaging, and people would approach mm-hmm. him, and he'd be like, leave me alone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you don't want to touch me, people. <laughs> right. And I've never thought about that from a, from the perspective of a dog owner, how like, maybe the dog doesn't want to be touched. And, and of course, a dog could like, I mean, and there's an increasing, there's an interesting thing now that people are trying to do, where you tie a yellow ribbon on the dog's leash. Uh huh. It's not a friendly dog. Oh, that's a good idea. So that everybody that, knows. Well, I didn't, but you know, people have to know what that means. It's exactly. Yeah. I think that's filtered through yet, but I think that's a really good idea. But of course, with a puppy, that's a different thing because, you know, you don't even know what its temperament is like and they're cute, but they do have to go to the bathroom and they can't be constantly bothered. Yeah. Yeah. And we noticed, we had, I noticed over the summer, we had two dogs. We fostered two dogs for like five weeks and One. we, um, we had neighbors across the street with small kids, like I think maybe three and six. And they came over to meet the dogs one day. And we have tiny dogs. I mean, they were so mm-hmm. little. They're like nine pounds and seven pounds mm-hmm. or something like that. But they're very puppy-like and they jump and they, you know, mm-hmm. they, they're excited and stuff like that. And the kids would sort of, from the perspective of the dog, it was a bit of a teasing because the kids would, would want to touch them. So they'd reach their hand out really slowly, you know, to touch their the dog's okay. nose and the dog would go, Vroom! like expecting it was something to play, you know, a game. Yeah. And then the kids would run away. And then, you know, it was like... <laughs> lots, of, lots of miscommunication. Exactly. Yeah. Lots of miscommunication. There really are a lot of parallels. I think, and I was even thinking as I read your article, I have a friend who whose dog helped him through cope with like the deaths of his parents and Mm -hmm. just, I mean, was really, really, I I think he, he really felt like this dog about you might feel like a child. And then last spring, the dog got cancer. And so Mm -hmm. the dog passed away. And I mean, he was like mourning for this dog. Like well, you, like you might for a child, and I, I, I wonder well, if maybe there are with animals. I mean, they're with you constantly. Mm-hmm. You know, they're your constant companion throughout the day in a way that that almost no human is. Yeah, yeah, just a kind of silent. You're there, and you're a support. Right. 
Right. Yeah, yeah. So you, but you something have else that's like that's sort of like a baby or a dog. We were talking about earlier is a new book. A new book. <laughs> when you've written a new book, yes. Because everybody, like when you have a new baby or a new dog, everybody has lots of opinions and advice. Yes. Questions for you that you might not want to answer. <laughs> <laughs> and you've gone through this experience with your book you know, yeah. that, that you wrote. And, and I've just recently, thank you for bringing that up, mm-hmm. Robin. I just recently went through this with my own book. I published a book about, now it's about 10 days ago that Positive Discipline Ninja Tactics came out in the world. It's an ebook that's available on Amazon. And I, um, I did have this, for me, it was more of a feeling of like people would say, oh, you'll never, you know, that's never going to work. Why, you know, if you don't have a published book that's out in print Mm -hmm. form, like why bother? Or Amazon is going to take you for everything you're worth. You know, things like that. People who had no idea what the process was or what the rules were or anything like that. People really like to either, to go to either extreme. I mean, they either want to sort of project disaster or the most ridiculous (laughs) levels of success. Yeah. You know, like, oh, you're going to be on the bestseller list. You're going to be on Oprah. And it's like, well, no, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but Odds on that are extraordinarily small. Slim, yep, yep, yep. But this, the process of doing it, going through the process of doing it is like, it is like like having a baby a little bit. I mean, it's for me, it was, it was only five and a half months gestation. Mm-hmm. Um, but... It was, was about nine. That's really funny. Oh, really? Oh, my gosh, that is. That's so funny. And when you're so I don't know if you notice this, too, but when you bring up the subject of it or if you're, you know, if you're kind of people will say, well, what's your book about? And um, I got better and better at sort of giving a, a, a small, mm-hmm. uh, you know, snippet of information about it. Mm-hmm. But people would either say things like, oh, my gosh, I need that book like yesterday. Or they'd mm-hmm. be like, oh, you know. I don't know, it's just something something negative, something like, well, that can't possibly come out soon enough for me kind of a thing. And it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, <laughs> people are either, as you say, they're the extremes of like, yeah, you'll never get this. The balloon, the angels and the balloon poppers, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a which is a concept that I absolutely love, where a balloon popper is somebody who you say, you know, you know you, you're trying a new diet and they say, oh, I'd give up now, have a cookie, mm-hmm. you know, or the angels who who are basically like, Wow, how can I help? That's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, did you find that? Did you find that as you were writing your book? That it kind of. Um, I thought people were lovely, but you know, again, people tend to have these assumptions. I mean, the only books people even think about or see are the books that are phenomenally successful. By yeah. definition, yeah. You know, the other ones you simply don't even notice. Yeah. So people were sort of asking me, I mean, really well-meaning people were asking me things like, you know, oh, are you going to have a book tour or saying things like, you know, you should get on Oprah or you should put it in airport bookstores. Yeah. Like I could just do that. Like, sure, I'll just call up Oprah. No problem. <laughs> right. It's like, no, I realize that's a good idea. But, you know, you realize there's like a system here. Yeah. You know, it's like you tell people you're going to have a baby. Oh, is it going to go to Harvard? You know, yes. it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot between there and now, but probably not. Let's face it. Yeah, that's so true. That's so funny. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I've been reading. I've been I, reading your book. My little kid, and I love him, even he's never going to be president. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I like it. Yeah, and there really is. I think a lot people don't know the process that you go right. through. You know, right. like the the even coming up with 
the idea for it and fleshing it out and making it something that somebody might want to read. I mean, like that's 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 quite a process, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and it's I actually thought it was a fun process. I don't know I don't know how you felt about it, but um, I, I did enjoy it. Although I worked with a publisher, so I so I felt like that. I mean, did you have anybody that you were working with? I I did not have off and figure out the structure and all of that. So I years ago I got a book called. The shortest distance between you and a published book, and I was like, "That's the best name for a book ever," and it it gave me a lot of the a lot of ideas for for coming up with your idea for for coming up with your uh your your title for coming up with mm-hmm. your table of contents like what's the structure of the book mm-hmm. you know what I mean and um mm-hmm. and just a lot of affirmation of things like, you know what, if it doesn't come out right the first time, you can, if if you don't like the way that the table of contents sounds, you can always change things. Like you can give it a different, uh, a different filter, like a different focus or something like that. You can, you can, you can communicate the same information, but you can make it more fun or more uh, touching or something like that, just in the way that you, that you initially set it up. And so that was my first that was the first time I really gave that any thought. And then a few months ago, probably back in the fall, probably when we were having our first conversation, I heard uh, this guy named Chandler Bolt on a podcast. And Chandler Bolt is the author of a book called Book Launch. And it's about how to launch a book on Amazon and give it like a fighting chance of succeeding, of moving mm-hmm. up a little bit in the rankings and whatnot. And um, and I thought, you know what? Why, like, why not? I, I've... I feel like the the podcast, the cool thing about We Turned Out Okay, the podcast, is that the, I can see like in this new world of um, broadcast media where you can, I know exactly what what shows resonated most with people because mm-hmm. I can see how many people are going to those shows and downloading those shows. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it seemed like such a good idea to take the ones, because the ones that seem to resonate with people, as, as people love the interviews, the interviews, mm-hmm. you know, my conversations with, with you and others get downloaded hundreds of times. But the ones that get downloaded the most are the ones where I'm saying, okay, you are standing in front of your child and your child is telling you, you know, no, poopy, 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 or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And and what do you do? I mean, do you yell at your child? Is there another way? And and the one, the, the, the episodes that resonated most with people or that continue to resonate with people are the ones where I say, here's this other way. Oh, sure. Like, here's a way to get out of that situation without, mm-hmm. you know, smacking anybody or <laughs> going nuts. And, uh, and so when Chandler Bolt's book came out about publishing a book on on Amazon, I thought, you know what, I could take these chapters and I could fashion them into into a little ebook. And basically, that's what I did. It's like seven chapters or something. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's really about the things that people come to the podcast for, right? Immediately. People- that's, how, that's how my book was, too, was it was a very bottom up kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That after I'd after I'd read after I've been writing the column for a couple of years, I just noticed that these are the questions I'm consistently getting asked. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you know, these are the questions that the people are interested in hearing more about. Yeah. And I love how it's kind of split up. There's like a food section and there's, there's, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, if I look at the table of contents, there's 
there's food, there's finances, religion, children, um, and actually Sexy relationships, yep. pets, health and disability. Yeah, yep. I mean, something it's, else, one other thing. Uh, food, finances, what? religion, sex, relationships, children, health, pets, and other passions. <laughs> <laughs> and the conclusion is the principles of thoughtful engagement. And what I love about this is it's it's funny. I mean, you read these things and you're like, oh, my God, who would ever think to hand a vegetarian a piece of bread smeared with lard? Oh, isn't that a great question? I love that question so much because it's such a basic situation. The whole, you know, what do you do if you're offered something you can't eat? Yeah. But the specifics of it were so completely weird. That was a a question of a woman who who was a dedicated vegetarian. And she was with a friend who is a, a scholar of of the Romani, with uh. their gypsies, and who are one of the most insular ethnic groups on the planet. I mean, you just, they do not socialize with outsiders. Mm-hmm. And she was invited to a gypsy home, which is, you know, this incredible honor. And she was given bread smeared with lard. Oh my goodness. <laughs> like, wow, that's very common situation, but not like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that really brings it into like a three-dimensional focus. <laughs> you know, so what did you what was your response uh, just for listeners? Like what, what did you say to the to the woman who's ve- the vegetarian whose bread was smeared with lard? And she's in this intense situation where she, you know, does she eat it or not? Like what, yeah, what did well, you she say to really her? should have done some homework mm-hmm. on this. I mean, you know, if you're going into into, you know, you, you should know what you might be offered. Yeah. If you're going into someone's home, I really can't say you take the bread or you don't, because these are not my ethics. Mm-hmm. I have no idea why, you know, I can't deter, I can't say another person should value hospitality over their ethical vegetarianism or vice versa. That's, that's really a question for her to decide. I think she should have thought about it a little bit in advance. Mm-hmm. And it's always easier to turn things down by saying you have some kind of health situation. Mm-hmm. But frankly, I think it was probably on the person that wasn't mentioned in all of this, who was the friend. Yes. Who knew, who knows both what gypsy culture is like and that her friend is vegetarian. Yeah, yeah. So that she's, she w- she's, the, she's the unmentioned linchpin. Yeah, so she shouldn't have even and been put in that situation. Like, you know, she should have like figured that one out in advance. Yeah, yeah, that's and, very and true. sort of like said, hey, this could happen. Yeah, yeah. So or, or worked with her friends in some way. Yeah, or went back to the gypsies and said, oh, sorry, my friend, yeah, you know, exactly. is allergic to lard. <laughs> right. Like I mean, I actually have, I had a, I had a close friend who... Who took something? He was given tea in Egypt on a train, and he had been told many, many times, "Do not ever drink water on an Egyptian train." You know, back in the seventies or mm-hmm. when it was. I'm sure. Who knows? I'm, it may perfectly well be fine now. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he took something out of politeness that he knew he shouldn't have done for health reasons, and it destroyed his his digestive system for life. Oh my gosh! I mean, he <gasps> suffered for life. Oh my gosh. You know, so it it's really not a question of oh do I be nice or do I get a tummy ache? I mean, you can really mess yourself up. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Um that and it does it does bring up the question of like you we need to learn, I think as people, and this is what your book espouses, we need to learn how to politely decline things if if it's in a situation like that where it's really important oh, that you do yes. that. So I I wanted to ask specifically <laughs> about a very small topic that you cover in your book, but I think it's small but significant. And that is breastfeeding in public. <laughs> you write you write the following. 
Not allowing breastfeeding in public effectively bars women and babies from public space. Not exactly a triumph for women's or children's rights. Mm-hmm. And I, I just had such fears about this when my first born was was born. It was it was two thousand. It was the year two thousand, mm-hmm. and it was right before. I feel like it was just before it became a huge problem like where people were insulting other people for breastfeeding in Fenway Park and mm-hmm. there were there were just sort of all that there's laws being passed about you know you can't whip out a breast in public if you if you have a hungry baby and it was just crazy and actually it was my mother-in-law who helped me get over this this fear mm-hmm. and what she did was she basically she she came for a visit when my oldest was about six weeks old and she basically said you know, I really want to go out. Let's go somewhere. Let's go do mm-hmm. something like for the day. So we took this drive into Rhode Island and we got like, I don't know, fried clams and ice cream and we hung out by the beach and I had to nurse him. <laughs> like, there was no choice about it. And we get home and she's like, she's like, I'm really glad you did that. That seemed to make you more comfortable. Like now you know you can do this. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> and then you, the other thing that you wrote was, If we can all agree that infants have the right to eat and that mothers have the right to leave the house, the logistical conclusion is that nursing in public should be accepted. And an infant with a breast in his mouth is an infant who isn't screaming. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Is that, has that changed at all? It's a long time since I've been nursing in public or since this really first became a hot button issue. I've never nursed in public, so I have really no idea. (laughs) Um, And and I'm also one of those, you know, I I do have a social science background, Mm -hmm. so I really don't ever like to just, yeah, I think blah, blah, blah. Yeah, true. I mean, show me survey results, show me, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I have no idea. Huh, I wonder. I mean, I really hope listeners, if you I hope so too. have experienced either a good positive, you know, so like a, a, a string of good positive nursing in public situations or it, or negative ones, I'd love to hear about them. Uh, I, I mean, I can say for myself, I've been in many public parks in the 16 years since I've been a parent. And oftentimes moms nurse in, in, in the park. And uh, I think that's really cool. It's it's totally not even talked about. It's just a thing. It just happens. Everybody, mm-hmm. you know, you can still talk to people, and <laughs> and you're so right. You can. It can be so scary to to leave to think about leaving the house and having to having to pull out your breast. Mm. You know. So um, I just I lo- I love that little part of of the book. I mean, it's it's oh, in, it's all in such a great. All of it is good, but that was one of my little favorites. Okay. And then there's also there's the flip side of this breastfeeding thing though. Where people who don't breastfeed, I don't know if you knew that this was a thing, having not had any kids, but when I was, I nursed my first one. With my second one, I couldn't nurse because I was taking a medicine that he couldn't ingest. Mm -hmm. And I swear to God, I wanted to hang a poster on my hospital door that said, do not ask me about breastfeeding. Oh, yeah. Because so many people are like, what? You're not breastfeeding? It's the best thing. How dare you? Whether it's women who nurse their babies or women who bottle feed their babies in public who get more annoying comments. Yeah. Like, don't, you know, give me a break. (laughs) Like, I've made this decision. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually had, I remember when I was deciding to do that because it was up to me whether I took this medicine or not. I decided that mm-hmm. I I wanted to take it. I had suffered some major postpartum depression with my first. And, and mm-hmm. the way to not have that was to, as soon as the baby was born to take this medicine with the second. Mm-hmm. And I remember that I was really worried about like, would the boys grow up feeling like 
upset because I'd been nursed, but he hadn't, or I'd been <laughs> bottle fed and he hadn't. So my mother, it turns out, bottle fed my one of my brothers and I and nursed another brother, a th- our third brother, our youngest brother. And so I called up my middle brother who was formula fed. And I said to him, did it bother you that Dave was breastfed? And my brother said, Dave was breastfed? <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. It's like, why would anybody even remember or care? Yeah, yeah. And I'm so glad because I was like, I mean, like, if Dave gets a better car on his 16th birthday than Bob does, they're gonna care about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rest their bottle when they're six months. Yeah. No, like that, it doesn't seem like that would be like <laughs> not a big deal. Not I think they can probably believe me. If, if the kids have any creativity at all, they'll find better things to compete over. Yeah. Do you have an? I mean, this wasn't a question that I got, which we're going to get to really soon. But do you have advice for for moms or parents who are people are judging on them whether they're breastfeeding or formula feeding, like in public? Is anything that that you could say to get out of that situation? I don't remember asking you in exactly that tone of voice. I love it. <laughs> I don't remember asking you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, why on or, or just or simply, you know, I'll take it under consideration. Yeah. The idea I mean, of saying. Honestly, why, why on earth, you know, the notion that anybody, you know, is like, look, come up to me and tell me if my fly is down or, you know, if I've somehow managed to tuck my skirt into my leotards in the ladies' room, <laughs> but, you know, a choice that I've obviously made in life. I don't need anybody walking up to me in public and telling me what they think about it. Oh, I love Why should that. I care? Yeah. And it, it happens with so many. It's true about so many I mean, things. I mean, say just go at people hard for that. I really would. Yeah. Yeah. It's give them the pushback, right? That yeah. like, this is none of your business. Yeah. 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 No, I wouldn't even say I I wouldn't even say it's none of your business because that's still defensive. Yeah. It's your opinion is unwelcome. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you assuming that I value your opinion? Yeah. Yeah. And I love it's not my business is private from you. It's your opinion is valueless to me. To me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and another thing I mean, I remember this from when I was pregnant. And actually I remember this from from any time like I've for example, I have not shared with the general public yet that I'm I'm trying a gluten-free diet to see if that will help with my tendons and joints and stuff like that. I'm going to give it a month and then if it helps or doesn't help, maybe then I'll share on Facebook. But the reason I'm totally not sharing is because I know I'm going to get people who are like, oh, have you tried this? Oh, this is what mm-hmm. you really should be doing. Oh, think about this. Here's a video about this. And it's like, I don't even want I, I mean, I love, I really appreciate that people care about me and want to help, but that's not the kind of help that I want. Mm-hmm. And and the idea of saying to them, oh, thanks, I will look into that. And then cheerfully going about my life, <laughs> I'll take that under advisement. And then kind of not. Um, it makes me feel good, too, the idea that you, you could say. Well, when, they, when, when friends are giving you unsolicited advice and that kind of thing, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about somebody, you know, coming up to you on the street and saying you shouldn't be bottle feeding your baby. Yeah, yeah, it's a different situation. I've always thought the best response to that is, oh, that's interesting. Yep, yep. Thank you. I will, you know, yeah, I'll look no, into No, don't that. even say, don't say you're going to do anything. Okay. Just, that's interesting. I love it. That's so, why is that so hard? It's so hard for me to not say Thanks. I'll look into that. I wonder why. <laughs> I don't know, but but you know, all you have to do is that's that's interesting. That's interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna work on that. I'm gonna kind yeah. of train with that. Well, I want to get into some of the sticky situations that listeners have brought up for your consideration, Robin. Sure. But first, I must share a message from today's sponsor. 
Okay. This episode of We Turned Out Okay is brought to you by Positive Discipline Ninja Tactics, key tools to handle every temper tantrum, keep your cool, and enjoy life with your young child. The book I wrote for you if you struggle with getting your child to do what you want her to do instead of what she wants to do. Or if you need some concrete tools that you can use immediately in the middle of a tough moment. It's getting some great reviews, including this one, this short one from Heidi de los Andes, which is, I think, the coolest name ever. Heidi writes, I really enjoyed this quick, clear and caring parenting book, parenting book. (laughs) Just like the author advocates in dealing with children, she couches her advice from a position of empathy. The book draws from the same general philosophy of instilling self-reliance as the free range kids book by Lenore Skenazy, which I love. That's like one of my favorite books. I also appreciated that Positive Discipline Ninja Tactics was a quick read about an hour and had lots of tricks and techniques you can start using right away. It's available as an ebook in Amazon right now. To check it out, just click the link provided in the show notes. And if you don't know how to do that with your iPhone uh, that has the, that has like, that's in the ninth, whatever software, iPhone 9 or 9.0, whatever you call that, you can do that by clicking to the right of the title of this episode. There are three dots. If you click on those three dots, you can get to this it brings up a menu and in the menu is something called view full description. And if you view that, the links become clickable. So, so you can do that. You can look inside the book on Amazon at the introduction. So head over there and read all about it. And thanks. And now back to the show. Okay, Robin. So we're on to questions and the sharing of mortifying moments. Oh, okay. Are you ready? Sure. <laughs> so this is my first, the first one isn't really a question, but I just couldn't Wait, leave this out. Do we have out. to share mortifying moments or are these other people's mortifying moments? These are other, well, one of them. Oh, okay, that's good. One of them is, <laughs> one of them is actually mine, but the one, the oh, one I'm going to okay. share first is uh, a listener named Kelly who shared on Instagram and she, she wrote, very simple, very quick. She wrote, when my son was two, he told a smoking woman that she was killing herself and everyone around her. <laughs> She said, while I was mortified, I was also a bit proud. And I can totally see having both of those reactions, but not knowing what to do. (laughs) So I don't know. I I guess the reason I wanted to share it is because Mm -hmm. it made me think of something I talked about in Tuesday's episode. So this episode is going on up on Thursday, the Thursday before Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. And the Tuesday episode was a Your Child Explained episode, which I always try to do after a guest conversation. Mm -hmm. And usually it involves some aspect of that conversation. And this one I I did was on manners and etiquette from the perspective of a young child. And I talked (laughs) about how kids have like no filter, which I'm guessing that's why you're laughing, right? So there was this one No, just the idea of like, man, what it would look like from the perspective of a child. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, they don't have any idea, right? So there was this day, this is what I talked about on Tuesday, so I'll I'll be brief. But one time when my youngest was three, we went into a Papa Gino's and there was an employee there who was really heavy, very, very overweight. Mm -hmm. And Jay walked right up to her and said, wow, you're really fat in this like congratulations kind of way and like you could hear the people in the restaurant go and like this Mm -hmm. poor woman i mean she teared up i i I was so i was mortified and Mm -hmm. he was too because he was like what did i say like Mm -hmm. why is it wrong to talk about that you know and it was so mystifying to him Mm -hmm. so that that was my mortifying moment (laughs) yeah everybody has them i mean you know kids don't get it and and the thing is it doesn't matter whether the point is whether or not the kid was right about the smoking. The point is, you know, you don't just inform people what you think of them. Exactly. 
in yeah. public in that way. So everybody has to have those conversations at some point. But I think kids, are, it's just very difficult for kids to grasp that that concept in advance. Yes, what's like right? They have to learn. They got to learn that one the hard way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's so true. In fact, I read this article years ago, an essay in a book uh, about how we're not raising kids, we are raising aliens from another planet, mm-hmm. who have no idea what the the rules of etiquette are on our or among other things, you know, they don't have any idea how the workings work on Earth, like how, how things well, and proceed. also to the extent that they do, they're imitating. Yeah. I mean, you know that two-year-old didn't, like, sit down and read the Surgeon General's report himself. <laughs> exactly. That's right? So true, you know, yeah. he's imitating what he's heard people say. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute. You know, why are why is it, you know, I just said things, I'm just parroting what I've heard other people say, and all of a sudden the world's coming to an end here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they don't get that the context is, is the thing that drives it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And as I, I'm thinking about that with my own child, I mean, and sure, he, you know, you're, you're sitting watching TV with kids or whatever, and you're mentioning how people's appearance and all of that. Yeah, yeah. It's with, not going to occur to them. With my youngest, he really had this thing for a couple of years about like, wait, like, mm-hmm. he, he, I mean, he loves everybody in his life. And some of them are thin and some of them are not thin. And like, what is that about? Like, why do it, it, it would make him wonder, like, why do people talk about this or yeah you know um why is it a thing he he couldn't he couldn't grasp it and he's got a handle on it now thankfully but very curious about bodies yeah they're very curious about bodies my mother has told me about um her her um, niece and nephew's children and you know the way they'll like pet the wrinkles on her face (laughs) yeah they're just like, how come your skin looks like this and my skin looks like this yeah yeah they they are they're so it's so interesting. There's an innocence to it. Yeah, yeah. And I I love that. I think that's probably what I love best about it is, I mean, raising them or being right. with them. I mean, you know, you if you spend time with kids, you, you see this kind of thing too, where they just don't, they don't have a filter. And for some, in some ways, it's terrible. But in some ways, it's great. Like, they just, they'll, like, w- the other thing that Jay used to say to me when he was probably two or three, was he would say, Mom, where was I before I was here? <laughs> and I would say, well, you were in my belly. And he would say, well, where was I before that? Mm-hmm. And it's like, whoa, <laughs> like, that's a thought I've never. And I don't think I ever was able to answer him properly because he asked that question a lot. Like he thought well, about that a lot. Cohen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, show me the face I had before I was born. Yeah. 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 I mean, Buddhist monks meditate on that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, fa- it's a fascinating question. So, mm-hmm. so there's our, some mortifying moments to share. <laughs> uh, and then, all right, so we have two questions. And it's really interesting to me. They both have to do with mothers-in-law. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know why, if that's where listeners were, you know, right now. But anyway, so the first one is this. Anne asks... I'm considering homeschooling my preschooler next year, and I'm getting major pushback from my husband's family. My husband is on board, just not his parents and siblings. They live nearby, and we do see his parents a lot. How can I keep family relations positive in the event that we homeschool their grandson in the fall? Okay, it's not their grandson, it's your son. Okay. Simply tell them that you've considered the options, this is what you're doing for your family, it's your decision, you think it's best, conversation over. I love that. You can't fight. You can't. Ha- you can't fight with them if they don't. If um, you know, they can't fight with you if you refuse to fight. Yeah. If they bring it up again, you simply say, "Nope, sorry, we're not talking about this." 
change the subject. Some people will get to the point where you actually have to just leave the room. Like, nope, if you can't change the subject on this, we will have to leave. Sorry. Yeah. But simply refuse to engage them. Yeah. You don't keep defending your choice. You don't have to make them like your decision, but it's not going to be discussed again, period. And it's your decision. Parents should know how to to assert that rule because you have to assert it with your kids, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's that, that this question has been asked and answered. We're not revisiting this with your kids. Sometimes you have to do that with adults too. Wow, what an interesting Don't you have a principle in your book about that. Like, wouldn't there be some? <laughs> oh, I want. I haven't. I feel like there. Does that come up in the book at all? I'm not sure. I think because I, I think in the book it's really about uh, having a good relationship with your child, and I didn't. I wasn't thinking of it in this way, but as you bring it up, I mean, like maybe Anne is kind of. I don't know, not viewing the parent relationship the same as she would view the child relationship? Well, it's simply not. You know, I understand that these people have a point of view and and they're entitled to that, but this isn't a consensus-based decision-making process. Yeah. You and your husband, you know, parents make the decision for the children, period. Period. You know, you can consult other people, other family members can give their opinion, but then when the decision has been made, it's over. Yeah. Yeah, and they and, have to they have to live with it. to argue about. Yeah. I wonder if it comes up because like when I remember not about homeschooling which we actually do homeschool but, mm-hmm. and when we did it was it was I didn't get any pushback from anyone. I feel like my mother said one time, "Oh, you know, I'm afraid about this or something like that. Like mm-hmm. what if, you know, what if what if he doesn't have any friends because he doesn't mm-hmm. know anyone or whatever." And I was like, "Well, that's not going to happen." Mm-hmm. And like that was it. So this was not a thing for me, but um but in other places in my life, I've had a situation like with my with my mom where I've been feeling like, how do I speak up to you? You're my parent. <laughs> like, how, you know, how do I defy you kind of a thing? Because it's not defiance. Mm-hmm. It isn't defiance. You're simply an adult doing what adults have the right to do. Yeah, that's a good way to think of if it. If they want to turn it into defiance, then that's on their pro- that's their problem. Yeah. And you can walk away from that. You can say, right. listen, I'm not picking up that gauntlet. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, Anne, I hope that helps. That's aw- that's a that's yeah, a really good, good answer. Yeah. yeah, I know. Really, it's. I feel like in some ways homeschooling has become much more accepted, and but it, you know, especially in these tight family, like we hear periodically about, like on the playground or something from a from a parent, especially if they've just started, mm-hmm. who's like, oh my god, you know, my my folks are not on board with this, and mm-hmm. and and we're living our life, but you know, it's hard, kind of a thing, and um. Anyway, I, I hope that, Anne, I hope if you do it, it goes well. And, um, you know, if you live yeah, in our area, join the village. <laughs> you know, there's never anything wrong with just telling people who, that, you know, the conversation's over on a given topic. Yeah, yeah. And it's not just about, you know, parenting and that kind of thing. It's all kinds of things. Yeah. You yeah. know, you don't like that I'm living with my boyfriend instead of getting married or, you know, what my second job or whatever. Just, you know, nope, my life, my decision. Yeah. Yeah, I'm an adult. Conversation over. Yeah. If they want to continue to destroy the relationship over it, well, that's too bad, but that's their choice. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder, too, if, you know, as I think about it, if a lot of the, the older generation kind of goes, wow, like they're, they've really thought this through. They've really, you know, maybe not in the moment of, well, I'm doing this and there's nothing you can do about it. Please stop talking about it. But in the moment of six months after Anne starts homeschooling when her her kids are thriving and and people are happier and then the parents kind of go geez 
Good. Good job. Yeah. You know what else? You know what else? What? If it turns out Anne and her family really hate homeschooling, it's not going to feel like capitulation to say, you know what, this little experiment didn't work out. We're going to put the kids back in a in a public or private yeah. school. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's another thing is you just get these people off your back so that you don't have to feel like you have to commit to something just to spite them. Yes, exactly. You're win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, so then you can say, well, we've made this decision ourselves and right. we're, we're moving along right. with it. And if it doesn't work, then that's fine too. Right. If they keep at her about this, then, you know, she's going to want to keep homeschooling those kids, even if it's making everybody miserable. Yeah, yeah. She won't want to admit she's wrong. Yeah. So the one thing I would say, Anne, though, is uh, this is just from personal experiences. Don't make it not okay for somebody to say to you, oh, you know, they're really acting up. You better you better put them in school or something like that, because that is the most just soul crushing thing when somebody when somebody says, oh, they're not acting the way I think you know, a first grader should act. So you better put them in school. Oh, God, I used to, that used to drive me nuts. And I basically, that was one point where I did basically say, Oh, you know, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would walk away from it because I don't mm-hmm. I don't need that, you know. Um, so you know, the southerners have a wonderful phrase. I don't really think we Bostonians can say it in quite the correct way. Mm-hmm. But when they want to say, um, you know, something that that might rhyme with luck few uh, i'll say instead bless your heart <laughs> is and that what that means that's how they use that? i think you should put those children in public school bless your heart <laughs> i love that isn't that the best that's awesome <laughs> it's really like you don't take your eyes off them after they've said that yeah it's, wow it's like a war right oh there. that's so funny oh my gosh that's I got to remember that. That's a good one. Uh, it's a good That's one. It's a really good one. So, all right. Um, I've got the two. That was the first mother-in-law mm-hmm. question. The second, and I guess that's the parents-in-law, but the second one is a mother-in-law question. And then I do want to ask about about a, a playground situation that happened to me. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So so this, this is a fairly long question that I'm going to try to condense. So my friend MJ uh, wrote into, you know, she, she emailed me at we turned out okay, Karen at we turned out okay. And I, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to compact this. So, so the MJ, question sounded to me basically like she has a horrible mother-in-law. Mm. Her husband cut the family off from communication with them. Mm-hmm. With her. So basically he wanted to, he was fine with estranging his own mother mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. Six happy years of this go by, and then MJ, for some reason, decided she wanted the mother-in-law to be part of the family again, mm-hmm. for one reason, and, and now they're all stuck. They think they're going to take her on a 10-day road trip? Yes. Okay, so... That's crazy. So they got to not do that. I know, I know. I couldn't, I couldn't take a 10-day road trip with people I like. Yeah, that's a long That's, that's a 10-day road yeah. trip. Yeah. So I'll start I mean, from the middle. I'm going to go full Donner party on day three. Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, I can't imagine that. be very bad. MJ don't writes. She writes. You know, I don't know why they try, why she wanted to like go around her husband. You know, you really need to let like the spouse manages the in-laws. Yeah. Like if That's it's not your mom. On law number one of household peace. Yep. Yeah. You know, everybody gets, you know, First, you know, every everybody's the czar of how they deal with their own parents. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
wanted his mother to be estranged from the family. It was not her place to decide, oh, you know, I'm going to make an end run around him mm. and mother-in-law back in. She writes and that she's not American-born, and I'm wondering you, if that... If you do decide to renew an estranged relationship, you renew it in a way that is very low-key, low-pressure, and where there's a really, really clear escape valve for both parties at a moment's notice. Yeah. You don't trap yourself, you know, at the bottom of the Grand Canyon with, with James Franco from, you know, 27 and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you don't set up a no exit situation here. Yeah. And I, so I f- do maybe brunch in a public place. You yeah. don't do a 10 day road trip. Yeah. Well, I think just to give listeners a little bit more of or, uh, you know, a little bit more of the situation. So MJ writes that uh, she's not American born. And for her family sounds like it's very, very important, which I think might be the reason why she decided to try and and get her husband's mom back into their lives. And then, which, I mean, that's happened now. I guess that's a thing that's already Mm -hmm. happened. But then she writes that the mom-in-law moved across the country, which made things much, much easier. But that this summer, I feel like it's this summer. Yeah, they're going to visit this summer and drive through the state she's originally, oh, they're going to drive through the state where her husband is originally from and where the mom-in-law now lives. She writes, the kids and I have nervously and reluctantly agreed and are traveling by car with her for 10 days. And she's she's saying, please help me with situation diffusers in ways I may not have thought about. No, it would be completely irresponsible to help someone with situation diffusers in a situation that so desperately should not exist in the first place. That's like saying, I'm going into a toxic waste dump. What color bandana should I hold over yeah. my face? Yeah. I don't tell you what color bandana to hold over your face. I tell you don't go into the toxic yeah. waste. Find dump. a way to get out of this situation. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe you can see her. Maybe you can visit the state, right? Maybe you can have brunch with her, as you say, in a public place. But but MJ, please consider Not ten days in a car though. Yeah, man. changing your plans. <laughs> yeah, that's good advice. I mean, it hasn't happened yet, right? The the beauty of this is this this trip has not taken place. You right. know, you can change this now. Right. This does not have to happen. Yeah. 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 No one's going to be happier. No one's going to be. No one's going to enjoy this. That actually. MJ's sounds... not going to enjoy it. The kids aren't going to enjoy it. Yeah. The mother in law is not going to enjoy it. No. The husband's not going to enjoy it. Yeah, it will be it will be ten days of extreme tension. Right. So yeah, benefiting no one. Yeah, definitely. MJ, get yourself out of this situation. Yeah, don't do it. Please, please, don't do it. And um, and and let me know how it goes. I mean, yeah. I hope. I really hope. I'm wishing you lots of blessings as you as you figure out how to how to do that. How to and not make this trip happen. Have you heard of something called the Abilene paradox? Karen? I haven't. No. It's um. It's the thing that happens when I say, hey, you know what, let's do, let's take a road trip to Abilene. And you think that I really want to do that. And you're being polite and a good friend. So you say, okay, let's do that. And, you know, I didn't really mean it to begin with. And, yeah, and basically it winds up with everybody going to Abilene, even though nobody ever wanted to. Hmm. It's kind of the way, you know, something kind of gets out there and nobody wants to be the person saying, does anybody really want this? Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, does this emperor have any clothes whatsoever? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's and if you've ever, anyone who's ever worked in an organization has seen this happen. Yeah, where where you, everybody's some, suddenly on board with a lousy idea. And right. it's like, how did we get there? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't heard of that, but I love that idea, the Abilene Paradox. 
concept. I'll remember it. Yeah. All right. So the last one is this is just a little me question, Mm -hmm. which is it's a situation that happened several years ago now where we were at the playground. Everybody is having a ball. No one is doing anything that I personally don't approve of, including my own children. Mm -hmm. And while I was not present, like I was on the other side of the playground, a mom made my boys get off the equipment. And I was like, I, I, like, I never even saw her. They came up to me later and they were like, well, she, she kicked us off. She said we couldn't do what we were doing. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I'm not sure. I guess what I'm wondering is for a parent who's in that situation where you are watching, I didn't see it. I didn't see it happen. And we've all lived through this, by the way. I mean, mm-hmm. like we've, we've played at other playgrounds and been perfectly fine. Um, but if a parent is in that position where there's another parent saying, hey, you, you know, get off the equipment. You're doing something wrong. And you don't think your kids are doing something wrong. What Stand do you up for your kids. Say again? Stand up for your kids. Stand up for your kids. Yeah. Yeah. Go up to the person and say, uh, you know, can I ask what the problem is? Those are my kids. Yeah, you could do that. Or you could, you know, just, I mean, there's a number of ways to handle it. But if you absolutely know that your kids are behaving within the, within the rules of the playground, you stand up for them mm-hmm. the, the way you would want them to stand up for themselves. Yeah. In a situation. I mean, you don't want your kids to just, you know, do whatever people tell them to do. No, exactly. And you know, so, you know, yeah, you definitely stand up for them. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, I've spent a lot of time wondering. Or if the person seems kind of like, if it seems like a nutty situation, then you don't. And you get your kids out of there and you explain kind of what went down. Yes. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't have, you know, that there's that option too. Yeah. To interpret the situation for your child. Yeah. The bottom line. Yeah. And now they weren't, this woman wasn't very long at the playground after this happened. Mm -hmm. And it was a, it was a busy day at the playground. So Mm -hmm. like, I never even, you know, I never even got to see her. It was one of those things and who knows what really happened. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Yeah. But I've always wondered like, what could I have, if I'd seen her, what should I have done? Because I think as the mom, I would have had for me, like these kind of social situations, I, what I love about you, Robin Abrams, actually, is you give me courage to, <laughs> to go up and say something to somebody. Like, yeah. I, you know, after years of reading your column in The Globe, I, I feel like I now have some tools, some things, just like in my, just like in my book, right? I've got things yeah. I can say to people, like tools yeah. I can use in, immediately. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I like to think that in that moment, this is now several years ago, but in that moment, had I seen her, had I been present, I would have said, you know, let's, can I ask what, what happened? These are my kids or something like that. Um, so, so that's cool. Well, I can't, I, this time goes by so incredibly fast. I mean, fast. My, my thing that I've always, that I've always said, because you do see the sort of flip side too, of when is it okay to say something to people, to other people's children. Mm-hmm. And, and my, my go-to rule of thumb is always that you can't, you can't discipline other people's children but you can protect your person, your property, and your house rules. Yes. You know, from them the same as you would from any other adult. Yeah. And, you know, if you see a child doing something wildly risky, the same as if you saw an adult doing the same, you might say something. Yeah. You know, that, that doesn't go into the disciplining other people's kids category. Yeah, yeah. That's true. But you will see people, people often will write in and it's like, you know, my friend has this kid and she brings the kid over and the kid's jumping on my sofa and my friend doesn't say anything. And, you know, 
what should I do? I shouldn't discipline her child. And it's like, no, but you should protect your sofa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can, if, if, you that, can if that, you know, requires disciplining your child, then there you are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to say in my house, we don't jump on the sofa. Right. Right. You know, come on down or something like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. I feel like we're just getting into this and it's time to go. <laughs> Which seems that my favorite guests, this happens to where I'll just, the hour goes immediately like that. So um, okay, maybe, maybe my returning champion, Robin Abrams could be my third time returning champion someday. Oh, I'd love to. That would be fun. You know what I'd really love actually is to do a show at like just before the holidays, before like Thanksgiving or whatever, and, and invite people to write in with their like etiquette for the holidays kind of questions oh I'm, yeah absolutely i mean that's that, huge yeah that's always that brings up a lot mm -hmm. of stuff so uh well all right well we've got that to look forward to yeah so that is all we've got time for today uh okay. i want to thank robin abrams so much thank you for being on my show misconduct i really wish the best of luck to anna and mj i know me too relatives yeah yeah relatives are, are are a tricky thing but they can be they can be navigated <laughs> you can yes, do it uh, so you can get in touch with Robin, everybody, by going to misconduct at globe.com. That is where you can ask questions that will eventually appear. Well, that's the email address. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's the email address that will, those those questions appear in um, the Boston Globe magazine. And uh, you can get in touch with me over at weturnedoutokay.com slash contact or Instagram. You can go to at weturnedoutokay. On Twitter, I am at Stone Age Techie. And just thank you so much for listening today. It means so much to me that you have Robin and I in your ears right now. If you subscribe to the show, you'll never miss an episode. And if you share with your friends, they'll never miss an episode. So this show has gotten so many new listeners because current listeners like you have shared about it in their favorite social media channels or even emailed friends a favorite episode. And I just want to thank you so much for that. And I want to thank Robin Abrams so much for coming by today. And thank you. You, I'm so happy to have you here. And and finally, I have a special thanks for our producer, the man who I'm sure never gave his folks any mortifying moments when he was small, the 18-time winner of the Husband of the Year Award, Benjamin Culp. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to We Turned Out Okay. I want to date to Australia. Find us on the web at weturnedoutok.com, where you'll find show notes and more. What do you call cheese that's not yours? Nacho cheese. And remember, we only go around once. To be the best parents we can be, let's relax and enjoy the ride. Theater, 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 theater,